0: This dry and desert land. I tell myself keep walking on. Hear something up ahead. Water falling like a song.
1: An everlasting stream. Your river carries me home. Let it flow. Let it. some songs to sing for you this morning, some that they've been doing in youth, uh, and also we have a new one, too, but I think you're going to enjoy praising the Lord today. Let's let's do it together. Sometimes you've got to dance through the darkness, sing through the fire, praise when it don't make sense. Mountain, louder in the valley, trusting that he's gonna get you there. Sometimes you gotta welcome the wonder, wait for the answer, worship with your hands in the air, and here I'll praise you anywhere, praise, give him praise, give him praise in the high. prison cry out to heaven shout it the door swing wide sometimes you gotta stand on your shackles brave in the battle worship with your hands till I'll praise you anywhere praise give a praise give a praise in the highest praise give a praise give a praise in the highest You anywhere. Every promise kept. Goodness, every step. Each and every breath. I'll praise you anywhere. never fail. That's why we have to learn to trust him. at rest oh, I know the author of tomorrow is ordered my steps so this is of the Lord, and then he heard, and he answered. Yeah
0: Amen. What a great job today. Give him another hand. Amen. What a great thought. I sought the Lord. He heard. He answered. Children's Church, as you head out, so thankful that you all joined us this morning for our time of worship. New generation, great futures in great hands. Amen. They work so hard on Wednesdays and uh, they do a great job. Thank you for being here today. If you're a guest take just a moment to welcome you to Church on the Hill. We're glad this is a part of your day as we worship the Lord together. Those that have joined online and KTHS radio, we welcome you today as we look into the word for A few minutes together. You've got a bulletin, items of interest that are coming up. Be sure and avail yourself to those things. Turn with me to 2 Corinthians chapter 5. Today I want to share with you on the subject, the secret of self-esteem. In other words, how we value and perceive ourselves. Now it's important in this journey that we understand this. And we're going to dig into the meaning of it. As you're turning there, thank you again for your faithfulness and giving at the receptacles here at the church and online and in the mail. Your faithfulness is so appreciated. Several years ago now, <clears throat> TV star Suzanne Summers was on a talk show host discussing her experience as an adult but growing up as a child of an alcoholic. During the course of the interview, she said that her therapist had made this comment that she had the lowest self-esteem of anyone he'd ever counseled. And she acknowledged the truth in the statement. Her admission surprised many, many people. It was during this time that she was a star of this top-rated TV show. She was frequently featured on the cover of popular magazines. Most people would have thought that Suzanne Summers had every reason to feel good about herself. That is, strangely, a very common occurrence. Those whom we think have a high self-esteem, you know, athletes, actors, models, movie stars, many times suffer some of the most traumatic events all because of a low image of themselves. This affliction is no respecter of persons. In fact, most of us suffer from a low self-esteem at some time in our lives. Because of the society that we live in, because of the way our parents raised us, because of the standards we set for ourselves, it's extremely difficult for a person to make it to adulthood without facing some serious challenges in their self-esteem or how they value or perceive themselves. This is because there is no way we can compare to the unrealistic standards we place on ourselves. It's easy to go through life feeling like you just don't measure up. There were thousands, even millions of women who felt inadequate because they weren't as attractive as Suzanne Sommer. And Suzanne Summers had her own reasons for feeling so inadequate. The cause of low self-esteem is very simple. It's really based on this, judging yourself by the wrong standard. We used to have a bathroom scale that never gave you the right weight. No matter who stepped on it, and I don't remember exactly what it was, but it's somewhere just over 100, you know, 110 maybe, somewhere in there. No matter how many people's on it, 110. Carol hated it because she wasn't there. I loved it. <laughs> and I certainly wasn't there. Anyone would be foolish to use a scale like that and believe that they really weighed 110 pounds. I knew it, but I sure felt better on it. (laughs) She finally threw it away. But the truth of the matter is, by, by listening to our society or Hollywood or our friends or Wall Street or our own crazy notions of what we're supposed to be, We're making the very same mistake as getting on that scale and thinking 110 is really true. We're using an unreliable scale to determine our worth. We're judging ourselves by the wrong standards. So the question is, what is the right standard? If Virtually every influence in our lives is contributing to a poor self-esteem. How do we find a a realistic scale for determining our self-worth? Well, right here, Paul in 2 Corinthians chapter 5 teaches us how to determine our self-worth. I think it's a valuable lesson, especially in this day and hour. If you don't need it, I promise you, you know somebody that does. And they may be living in your house with you, or there may be extended family members, and you can be equipped to help them tremendously. First of all, number one, self-esteem can be found in your identity. Low self-esteem is based on a distorted perception of our identity. We see ourselves as less than we really are. And the standard becomes greater than it should be. You see, if you don't have a firm grip on your identity, your self esteem will be sacrificed to the whim of every whatever that comes along and has the power of influence in your life. Whatever it is, it takes control of you. There are millions of women who stay with abusive men, millions of employees who continue to work for abusive bosses, millions of people who settle for second best because they have become convinced that this is who I am and this is what I deserve. In an interview years ago, Barbara Walter, Olympic gold medalist Greg Lugana said, that one of the things that drove him to excellence in swimming was the fact that he didn't fit in with the kids at school. They made fun of his dark skin, they called him sissy, they excluded him from their circle, and the result was that Greg grew up with a very low self-esteem. He tried to compensate for it by excelling in sports, especially swimming. But in spite of all of his accomplishments, he was still a miserable person. He still had a low self-esteem. He should have been on top of the world, but instead he was involved in an abusive homosexual relationship that led him to contracting the AIDS virus. You see, low self-esteem is based on a distorted perception Of our identity. Paul offers us a more accurate portrait of who we really are. Look at verse 17. Therefore, if anyone is in Christ, he is a new creature. The old, new creation, the old is gone. The new has come. Pretty sure it can't be that simple. No, it's no more complicated than that. If anyone is in Christ, he is a new creation. The old has gone, the new has come. You see, our identity is in Christ. If we put our identity in Christ, we come to a greater understanding of who we really are. You see, when we receive him into our lives, he makes us brand new. Where before you might have considered yourself unworthy, now in Christ you have been made worthy. Before you might have been aware only of your sinfulness, but now in Christ you have become aware of his righteousness. We've been united with him in his death. We will certainly be united with him in his resurrection. (laughs) Romans 6 5 and 8 says, now if we died with Christ, we believe that we will also live with him. It changes everything. Why? Because in Christ, you have been given a new identity. It means the old's gone. The new has come. There's a story about a Methodist preacher who visited a poor man who told the minister, you know, I'd really like to come to your church. But I, he said, I just don't have decent clothes to come to your church. It's story. So the preacher generously arranged for the man to be given a brand new navy blue suit, white cotton shirt, wingtip shoes, and a colorful silk tie. All of that. So the following Sunday, the preacher was concerned when the man didn't show up to attend church. That afternoon, he called the man to make sure that he had received the new suit. Oh, oh, yes, said the man, it's the nicest suit I've ever saw. In fact, he said, when I put that new suit on this morning, I decided it looked so nice on me, I'd just go to the Presbyterian church. <laughs> you see just like that that man found his identity in a new suit but we find our identity in christ and we need to see ourselves as he sees us and we need to recognize that we are not the pitiful unworthy victim that we may be tempted to pretend to be The Bible says that everyone who's in Christ is a new creation. That is our identity. Thank God for newness in Christ. Number two, self-esteem can be found in our mission. People with a low self-esteem rarely become obsessed with a mission. They're not likely to pursue a dream. People with a low self-esteem usually are afraid to try anything significant in life because they have a hard time believing they would be able to accomplish it. So it restricts them. But you see, it's much safer to settle for mediocrity. So we have to make some judgment calls. It's much safer not to try. Imagine for a moment that your phone rings early one morning, your answer to the phone, you discover that on the phone is a very, very important person. Imagine the most important person you know in the, in life, who that could be. And they call you and they said, we, we need you to come to us right now. There's an important job that needs to be done. Of all, all Everybody in the world, depending on you to do it, can you come? Would you go? Be amazing, wouldn't it? If that really happened. Think that we've been giving a, a, a crucial mission that would have an Positive impact on the world. Probably have a positive impact on your self-esteem, when you think? Well, Paul tells us that we've been given a mission of even greater importance. Look at verses 18 and 19. All this is from God who reconciled us to himself through Christ and gave us the ministry of reconciliation. He reconciled us and gives us the ministry. That God was reconciling the world to himself in Christ, not counting men's sins against them. Hallelujah. (laughs) And he has committed to us the message of reconciliation. Paul is saying that your mission is to be involved in helping the world be reconciled to God. So God has given each of us this mission, and it is a role that really only you can play in your own particular Area of life. The nature of your involvement in this mission will be determined by a number of different factors, for instance, your gifts, your abilities, your interests, and, and so on. But it is essential that we realize that he is serious about your involvement in this mission. He has committed to you the message of reconciliation. You see, many people derive their self-esteem from what they do professionally. You know, that's a true fact. The title or the salary or job description is, if all of that's impressive enough, they feel good about themselves. But the truth is that our professional accomplishments aren't nearly as important as our spiritual accomplishments. You may by necessity... Spend 40 hours a week making a living. Well, maybe I ought to say 40 plus. (laughs) But your quality of life is determined by the level of your spirituality. Now, before you start beating yourself up over what a poor job you're doing with the mission God has given you, please consider this. Just the fact that God values you enough to include you in his plan indicates that you have a tremendous worth to Him. The fact is, what little we do accomplish in our spiritual lives will never seem like much. Those who've really made history, people like St. Francis or John Wesley or Billy Graham. Is that three pretty big ones? Yeah. Yeah. They made comments acknowledging the relative insignificance of their efforts. And they were some of the greatest ever. A few years ago, after winning a Nobel Peace Prize, Mother Teresa decided that she would not accept any more recognition because the accolades were beginning to interfere with her work. She knew that she was not in the business of accepting prizes and making speeches. Her calling was to serve the poor of Calcutta. You know, we can feel good about ourselves because of the mission to which we've been called. Understand. It's the mission to which we've been called. Your self esteem is not rooted in your meager accomplishments, but rather in the glory of having been called. Think about that. What a privilege to be called to work in the work of the kingdom. Blessed we are. Number three. Self-esteem can be found in our potential. As a young boy. He's kind of being punished. You ever notice how punishment and young boys seem to go together? <laughs> if you don't understand that principle, come on Wednesday nights. <laughs> and one of the punishments that... <clears throat> this young boy was receiving that he was forbidden to go swimming. I know that's cruel and unjust punishment, but that was his punishment. So one day he came home, and his hair was wet, and his mother demanded an explanation. He said, I fell in the lake. Really, she said. Then why aren't your clothes wet? To which he grinned and he said, Well, I had the feeling I was going to fall in, so I took them off. <laughs> I raised a couple of those. <laughs> I'm pretty sure he did more than just fall in. How about you? Mm -hmm. In fact, I think he planned to fall in. And as long as he was going to fall in anyway, he figured he might as well enjoy it. Now, his exclamation, though, I thought was very, very interesting. He said, I had the feeling I was going to fall in. Translation in today's terms would probably be, I couldn't help myself. Hmm? You you know, we live in a world where that type of rationale is used all the time. I just couldn't help myself. I just know I'm going to fall in. That's just the way it is. You know, many sports teams give themselves names or labels that are meant to inspire a winning tradition. The Wolverines, the Bulls, the Eagles on and all of I won't get real technical with anything close to your heart. And then some colleges have given their nick, themselves nicknames that are well to say it diplomatically, it's kind of unique, you know, the Amherst Lord Jeffs, the Idaho Vandals, the Delaware fighting blue hens. <laughs> Mark, more little Quakers, the, the Oregon Ducks. You know, there's kind of some interesting things. But the one that really got me was the Ohio Wesleyan Battling Bishops. <laughs> one in the, fighting okra. the Fighting Okra. Okay. See what I'm saying? I'm not sure if, about all these fine institutions, but, but these are not labels anyone would immediately associate with a winning... By intimidation tradition, I don't guess, but you know what the fact of the matter is, it all boils down to the labels we place on ourselves are indicative of our self-esteem. I flipped that on you, and I flipped it fast. Labels are like, I'm talking about labels we put on ourselves. I'm just a loser. I'm a divorcee. I'm a failure, I'm lazy, I'm fat, I'm just a drunkard. You know, maybe you've done something in the past that generated this kind of label. But I want to tell you, God has given you a new label. Verse 20 said, God made him who had no sin to be sin for us so that in him we might become the righteousness of God. You see, God doesn't label you according to your past, He labels you according to your potential. So we need to get rid of some of that junk. In other words, your old label may have been sinner, but your new label is a saint. I believe that. You know, your old label may have been guilty, but your new label is forgiven. Your old label was dead in sin, but your new label is alive in Christ. I'm thankful for a new label, aren't you? Why is that? How can that be? Because Jesus Christ, no, and God, they no longer see your past. They see our potential. Regardless of what you think about yourself, the Bible makes it clear what God thinks about you. There is therefore now no condemnation for those who are in Christ Jesus. How much? None. Romans 8 and 1. Hebrews 10, 10. We have been made holy through the sacrifice of the body of Jesus. Philippians 1, 6. He who began a good work in you will carry it on to completion. You know, he's not finished with us yet. And some of us, he's just getting started on. And, and sometimes I think he wants to say, and I've got a lot of work to do on Butler. He's going to take a lot of work. Colossians 2.22, he has reconciled you by Christ's physical body through death to present you holy in his sight. Do You know that Jesus had a disciple that was a little obstinate and a little impulsive and a little violent and a little argumentative and, and somewhat selfish, ambitiously filled with himself. And did you never stop to think of what Jesus named him? He called him Peter, which means a rock in Matthew 18. We might have only seen the man who denied Christ, who deserted him in his final hours, who who struck the soldier with a sword, who refused to have his feet washed, who tried to walk on water but sunk like a rock. They had not very far because Jesus was there. And who made the mistake upon mistake upon mistake during his lifetime. Jesus saw something different. Jesus saw a leader of the early church. A man with all of those things Peter was guilty of. But Jesus saw a man that would preach and 3,000 souls be saved. He saw a man who would someday write scripture. He saw a man who would courageously give his life as a martyr for the cause of Christ. You See, he saw the man that Peter would become, not the man who Peter was. I'm so thankful that as he looks at us today, he doesn't see me for who I was, for who I am, but for who I can be. See, when you judge yourself according to your potential, you eliminate the reason for having poor self-esteem because your potential is literally unlimited when you put it in God. Because of the new creature that we have become and the new creation that he's put in us and he's given us, we have the potential to become the righteousness of God. That means that holiness is not elusive. It's It's not an unattainable goal. It can be our reality. It was a flea taking a ride on an elephant's ear. That'd be interesting, wouldn't it? They came to a wooden bridge. As they crossed the bridge, it wobbled badly and almost collapsed. When they got to the other side, the flea said to the elephant, boy, didn't we shake that bridge? (laughs) Of course, the flea wasn't really able to shake the bridge on his own. But as long as he was riding on the elephant, he was able to be a part of a bridge-shaking process. In a similar way, we can feel good about ourselves, not because of anything we've done, but because of our relationship with God. You see, the secret of self-esteem is seeing yourself as God sees you. When he looks at you, he sees a new creation. He sees someone with a mission in life. He sees someone with unlimited potential. So when we begin to see ourselves the way that God sees us, we have learned the secret of a right self-esteem. As the worship team comes, as you evaluate your life where you are today, let me ask you, what are you judging yourself by? If it's by the old you or what's in the past, I want you to be prepared today to lay that aside. Say, I don't any longer need that. If you've committed your life to the Lord Jesus Christ, that's wonderful. But even in that commitment, sometimes we're tempted to wear those old labels. I want you to be determined today to lay the old label down. See your unlimited potential that is in Jesus Christ. And as they sing and we worship, if you've not made the commitment to receive Christ, I would invite you to come. I'd love to pray with you. I'd love to believe with you and just see what Jesus can do. Or if you today are a believer, but you've been suffering with these times and challenges in life, I'd love to pray with you that we come to a place today that we just leave it here. And we leave it in the new us in Jesus. Listen,
1: before I spoke a word, you were singing on.
2: You said if we confess our sins that you are faithful and just to forgive us.